0: This is the Beyond Belief Sobriety Podcast, where we examine issues of interest to people who have found or who are seeking a secular path to recovery from addictions of all kinds. Well, you might not be aware, but in addition to these podcast episodes that we post every so often, hopefully weekly Uh, We also do a weekly live stream every Friday night on YouTube and Facebook at uh, 7 o'clock p.m. Central Time. Um, I'm joined by my co-host, Angela B., and every Friday night we discuss a different topic. And we have a phone number where people can call in to ask questions. And sometimes we get calls, sometimes we don't. But we also have a live chat room in uh, YouTube and Facebook where people will our comments, and engage with us uh, during the episode. Uh, this episode that I'm posting tonight is actually from one of those live streams. And the topic we were discussing was the effectiveness of 12-step groups. Um, and it was really an interesting episode. We had a lot of fun. There was a lot of interaction in the chat room. And uh, it was a, and we were, it was based off of a really great book, The Alternative 12 Steps. Uh, by uh, Martha Cleveland. So I think you're going to enjoy this one. Uh, just kick back and listen, and uh, we'll see you on the other side. Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome to our Friday live stream. It's good to be here uh, for another Friday. And uh, we're going to have an interesting topic, I think, taken from the Alternative 12 Steps uh, book, where we're going to be talking about the power of the group and specifically the power of. Uh, 12-step groups which are are unique in a lot of different ways. But before we get started and before we start saying hello to all of you, uh, let's see how Angela's doing over there. Angela, how are you?
1: I'm I'm doing okay today. You know, I, I had an exciting thing today. I went to a thrift store for the first time in over a year. Oh, yeah, yeah, it, it was pretty exciting. I'm used to, we still wear masks. We have a city ordinance. Um, and so, uh, you know, and social distancing and all that. But um, I am uh, fully immunized now. And so there's a, a statistical... Uh, less likely chance of <laughs> me dying of COVID now. Um, and so I, uh, yeah, I went and uh, one of the workers there was putting some stuff on one of the racks and asked me, you know, if I was uh, finding everything okay, which was a strange question. I don't think I've been asked that in a thrift store before, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because it's like, you know, what if I said, you know, I'm, I'm looking for galoshes, you know, could say aisle three? No. Um, so anyway, but, you know, I haven't talked to many people. (laughs) in in a while um or made social chit chat and so i'm like okay you know maybe this is what we do now um and so i said yeah um i i haven't been here in over a year so this is kind of nice and uh she said yeah it was nice for us too and i wasn't sure with that question if uh if it was you know it was nice for us too that you haven't been here in over a year (laughs) like do they have a picture of me in the back that's like watch out for this lady um or if she was trying to say you know, that. that having, you know, more people come in or if they really just preferred, you know, not having people come in. I, I don't know. It was really awkward. And so, yeah, so I, I did not miss having awkward conversations with strangers, that's for sure. Um, so... <laughs> I'll, I'll have to get used to that again and start putting together a repertoire of things that I can say when stuff gets awkward. But
0: I know. You know, when <laughs> uh, when we first started social distancing, the joke that a lot of us would tell is I've been social distancing all my life. And, <laughs> right. and in a way, I, I kind of have. But, um, <laughs> right. and, and, and it was, um, I think it was, it was kind of nice not having to put myself in those uncomfortable situations of having to make small talk with people and so forth. Uh, but then again, I was missing the challenge challenge and the growth that comes from overcoming all that but Saturday um, I went to a party at my um, wife's my in laws, my in laws' house, and and okay. we all were immunized, and we were mm-hmm. all together in one place without masks, mm-hmm. and it felt so weird. And <laughs> at one point, uh, Susan's dad sits down in the couch right next to me, and I'm like, "Wait a second, this is you should be somewhere else. <laughs> you shouldn't be. You're supposed to be six feet away." So it's really weird right. to get used to that. It'll anyway.
1: be a, it'll be an adjustment.
0: It will period. Be. Yeah.
1: So, oh, Josie has an announcement. Okay. To read that? I
0: will. We have already 18 people here. That's amazing. Nice. Thank you everybody. Good to see you everyone. Yes, thank you for supporting this um live stream. We wouldn't do this probably if there was nobody listening. So thank you so much. So Joe's announcement. Um speaking of groups, the Rainham, is it Rainham Agnostic Atheist and Freethinkers Group of London hosts the International Secular AA meeting on Sunday. Oh, that's all right. The Sunday London calling eight o'clock PM in the UK three in uh, on the Eastern time zone, noon in the Western time zone, Pacific time zone. Good. That's good to know. Maybe I'll try to do that uh, tomorrow. Is that tomorrow? It's Sunday. Okay. Sunday. Our group in KC is going to start meeting again, and that's another that's another wild thing. Anyway, I, I guess it's going to start tomorrow. Um, I, I kind of dropped the ball. I didn't get a hold of the guy at the church soon enough to do our training. He wanted to do training beforehand, but I'm just going to show up tomorrow before the meeting and see if we can get in. <laughs> we'll see what happens. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. So, need
1: not be organized. So.
0: not right, right, <laughs> right. That's not
1: what it means. If anyone's listening, I know that that's not what it means, but that's just what I like to say when, yeah, when stuff like that happens. So,
0: <laughs> yeah, the group will get to know the the, the post COVID John who uh, doesn't like doing anything anymore. So, <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> not true.
1: You still do a lot. Ah.
0: All right, let's get into it. So um, what we thought we would do, it's a short chapter, and we, we thought we would just kind of do what we've done before and just screen share the chapter, go through it, stop and, and discuss different uh, parts of it. And we welcome your contribution to the topic by um, commenting in the chat, the live chat in YouTube and Facebook, and also by calling our toll-free number, which I will now scroll and put here on our, on the screen there. It's 844-899-8278. And I'm paying attention to see if anybody calls in. So you won't be waiting that long. Let me go ahead and get the screen share thing started here and we'll get going. And mm-hmm. I, I don't, I guess you guys can see that. It looks pretty small. We can see my you end. too. Oh, do you really see me? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> you see you too. But we only see our, um, our figures there. Let me change yeah, that.
1: Yeah, the little avatar. There we go. All right. <laughs> There well, we it go. was so small, I couldn't tell if it was actually you talking or just mm-hmm. the photo of you. That's awesome. I okay. hope
0: those of you that are out there in YouTube land and Facebook land can actually see a larger version of this. Uh, I think you can, because I, I blow up my screen. I can see it good. Okay, very good. I'm just looking at a very tiny version. So anyway, um, this is this is all about the power of the group. And when I was reading this chapter, I thought, wow, there's some really good stuff in here. So I think a lot of it I may have already known and appreciated, but it was just kind of of good to kind of refresh it in my brain and and realize wow this is really a cool thing that we've got going here you know and it is kind of unique you know compared to other kind of groups that might be meeting so that being said um i guess i'll go read i'll start reading and then angela i'll I'll let you um take over um at some point if you can see the screen are you able to see the screen
1: i can see it okay but i also have the book in front of me so good good.
0: there you go (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, you have an actual paper book cool
1: yeah yeah it's got pages and you flip them and it yes. kind of has a, has a smell <laughs>
0: So here we go. (laughs) Groups, shared energy for growth. 12-step groups support us in our recovery. In them, we identify with others who have problems similar to ours. We come together to share our common solution, the working of the steps. We meet to talk, to gather insight, encourage, and to share our experiences. 12-step groups are a different kind of group. The method of a 12-step group is not the same as the method of a typical support group or therapy group. In a 12-step group, each person works a self directed program. There is no facilitator or professional leader. Members of the group focus on the process of the steps and their own recovery. The relationship among members is respectful, caring, and impartial. Group members support each other as each person works to apply the 12 steps to his or her life. In contrast, Support groups often resemble informal social groups and may or may not have a professional leader. Participants are likely to be actively involved with each other and with the group process. They talk about their current and past lives with feedback being an important part of the interaction. Therapy groups are always led by a professional. Members work on their own issues with the involved support of other group members. The experience is often emotionally intense because the objective of therapy is to work with profound and powerful feelings some 12-step members go to support or therapy groups either can complement but not replace the 12-step group experience well angela would you have any comments about that little section <laughs>
1: yeah i i like how they how they differentiated between the different types of groups No, that's one of the things that i do Uh, appreciate about 12 step groups, um, you know, the way that we talk and uh, we learn to share from our, our own experience. And any of the topics, you know, how it how we've either encountered it or worked on it or or whatever. But, you know, it's nice to share it in that way um, because I have attended therapy groups and other types of support groups. And I think they do have their place and can be more effective for some people than others. I found I find, you know, like I said, this to be effective because People can't argue with me about what my experience is, you know, whereas in some of the support, well, some of the therapy groups more there, sometimes that's part of uh, the process is other people calling you on stuff. And, you know, they do it in a group setting and it's usually, you know, part of what they're supposed to be doing. Um, one of my friends had uh, multiple DUIs and had to attend some classes and, um, and some therapy groups for that. And that was part of their, their process is that a new person would come in and have to sit in the middle of the room and they would all basically interrogate the person on why they were there. And then, you know, um, pretty much confront them on anything that, that sounded like the person was Lying or being dishonest to themselves or or whatever. And I think that would be hard <laughs> for me, particularly newly in re- in recovery. I, I don't know that I would have uh, handled that very well, but you know, uh, sometimes those people don't have a choice because the higher power is usually the government of some source, uh, insisting that they be there. So for me, uh, the twelve step group process, I enjoy that more than the other groups that i've I've been involved with. and, or heard of
0: how about you um the same the same feeling it's more well it's informal um what i really liked and what i highlighted in there is that it's self-directed that each you know that there's no facilitator or leader that each person um works their own program and some of us individually might forget that and think that we need to let let each other know what we should be doing. But for the most part, no, each person is free to do their own thing. Um, It's self-directed. And I think the idea of not having a, a, a person who's like in charge or who facilitates or runs things works really well. Um, I, I think that it works well in other type of groups where they where they need where they have that too. But it's really nice to be able to have like an informal gathering where we all meet as equals and just share our own experience, not trying to fix one another or be fixed by each other. It's just a unique. Um, it's kind of a unique thing. It's been unique in my experience anyway. So
1: yeah. yeah. Well, you you know just had a training on on different things. One of the questions I had what in this section was how would you characterize smart recovery? Because it does have a, uh, trained facilitator. I mean, I don't think they go through intensive training, <laughs> but you know, there, there's a, 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 trained facilitator. Um, and then, you know, the other group members, I, you know, I don't think from what I've heard about it, um, they don't like inner or they don't, uh, give each other feedback, um, or do they, they do you know, and so- smart.
0: Okay, so do. would
1: you consider that more of a uh, therapy group than a support group?
0: It's interesting. It's kind of a combination of the two because the facilitator really isn't um, a therapist, not like trained therapist or anything. They the they've just gone through training that Smart provides. Um, so they're definitely a peer, but every Smart group does have a does have a therapist um, behind them. If there's a need, you know, that's kind of supports them, but, but they're not the, that therapist is not on hand at the meeting. The meeting is just run by the facilitator and the people there. So yeah, that's, it's like that. And it works well, you know, for uh, those people, but I've been told that sometimes the smart meeting that you go to, you know, if you like it or not, is really going to depend upon that facilitator. I mean, that, that facilitator has a really important role Because that's the person who really sets the tone for the meeting. Whereas at an AA group or an NA group or any 12-step group that doesn't have that sort of of structure, the group itself, a group of people sets the tone. And that's what's so interesting, too, about AA. It's so hard to define AA because it depends on what meeting you go to on what day and who's there. Right.
1: Yeah. I mean, well, and just, you know, what's been mentioned, you know, thus far, you know, one of the things that, that, uh, these authors say is that group members support each other as each other works to apply the 12 steps to his or her life and you know i guess that's kind of the idea of it but you know we know particularly from all of the various secular meetings that you know some people do steps some people don't um yeah and so that you know it's even a little bit more than than how it could be you know defined a little more traditionally. So I was going to say that
0: in this book, they talk a lot about um, the steps, because this book is about the steps, Exactly. know, that's why
1: I guess that's where they got that.
0: <laughs> but uh-huh. so, cause some people are going to say, no, I don't have anything to do with the steps. And that's right. fine. If you don't, because every person yeah. has a right to do whatever they want to define those steps or not to define those steps in any way they want to. But yeah, this book was specifically about the steps and for people who want to work the steps. So they're incorporated into this quite a bit.
1: Yes. Uh, anchor they 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 talk about that in this chapter a little bit. Um, he was asking, most AA meetings have someone chairing the meetings. Isn't that kind of their job to keep the meeting on track? Um, and they talk about that a little bit on, you know, on uh, meeting guides. But anyway, shall we continue?
0: We'll continue. I'll let you read okay. the next section, if you don't mind. The shared uh, yeah. solution.
1: It's exciting. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine, because that gives you that the groups are guided by the 12 traditions. Oh, boy. So, um <laughs> Anyway, uh, the shared solution is more important than the shared problem. And this is on page 112. Um, Twelve-step groups often organize around a shared problem. Uh, Some of them are Overeaters Anonymous, Emotions Anonymous, Alcoholics Anonymous, Gamblers Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, and Al-Anon for the families of alcoholics. 12-step groups also support adult children of alcoholics and people with chronic illness and disabilities. I haven't heard of that one. Um, Whatever the shared problem of the group, it's the steps that are the focus. The shared problem is only the starting point. This means that as time passes, group members are able to move beyond the problem that they all share and apply the steps to many other areas of their lives. For example, in an AA meeting, recovering alcoholics talk about their struggles with worry, anger, relationships, low self-esteem, compulsive overwork, and other ongoing difficulties. Focusing on the steps, they are slowly able to move beyond their alcoholism and expand the 12-step solution to their other life-diminishing emotions and behaviors. And I love that last part. Um, I I had forgotten about it until I I read this today, um, that... uh, to move beyond their alcoholism and expand the twelve-step solution to their other life diminishing emotions and behaviors, I think I just like the life diminishing emotions and behaviors. I hadn't uh, heard that um, or remembered that part of it, and it, that's such a a good term or a good way t- uh, for me to think about you know my larger recovery and and what I'm I'm doing and. Uh, I think it's uh, easier than saying, well, not easier to say, but <laughs> I like the concept more than character defects and, and uh, shortcomings that, you know, these behaviors um, and emotions that I sometimes uh, engage in are, are life diminishing that, that they take away the quality of my life and, and they're not kind to my future self. So um, yeah, I really like that.
0: Yeah. And I just about, Oh yeah, I know. That's I was thinking. It was talking about, and it, what you just read it was talking about the importance of talking about other issues after you've gone through the steps and you, and you're drinking you're 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 pretty much solid in your sobriety now you're not you, you, you feel comfortable not drinking but you still have other things to work on you know you might be depressed you might be afraid of this or that you know and you have things to talk about and that's usually in most meetings in my opinion what we kind of do discuss I mean there's usually a topic and we're not talking about our using but we're talking about what our life our life issues right so anyway sometimes it seems like that sometimes people kind of lose sight of this i think in meetings i'll give you a little example i went to a meeting last night and it was kind of a strange meeting because the meeting was based on one of my podcast episodes right so i sat there during the meeting while people were listening to this episode there were only six people there okay and it was not a secular meeting but the the um the the episode they were listening to, the person was an atheist and everything, but they also prayed. I mean, they were they were they were a spiritual sort of atheist, you know. Um, but they also had a real kind of uh, lax attitude about the steps. I mean, they work the steps, but they don't have a memorized heart. Blah 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 blah. Okay. And then during the podcast, we talked about depression was one of the topics that we we mentioned because she had to deal with that. She had other issues that that came to light after she got sober, and so we talked about that. Well, when when they were finished listening to the podcast, there there were three people who didn't like the episode. <laughs> it was really interesting to be there. Well, you don't like it? <laughs> and they said they didn't like it because we got off track with, I'm talking about things mm. that didn't have to do with sobriety. And like when you guys were talking about depression and all that kind of stuff, they said, that didn't really have anything to do. You should have just kept it simple and focused on recovery. And I thought to myself well <laughs> that was a real important part of my recovery so i don't know so i think that i don't know man um i don't know where that comes from where where they get that that idea that you can't talk about something other than alcohol
1: yeah I, I think it's uh you know there's a couple of things within the within aa that that they may take a little too literally or or it it's uh is something that's talked about here in a lot of the more traditional rooms, too. And I, I kind of stick it with um, the people that say you can only talk about solution, that if you mention, you know, stuff from your past as an example, that, you know, you're not staying in solution. And uh, and so, um, you know, that wasn't helpful for me or hasn't been helpful in my recovery to just stay in solution. If, if people were doing that when I attended, you know, meetings, um, as a newcomer, I don't know that I would have stayed, uh, because I would have just heard, you know, what, uh, what their lives are like now, you know? And so I wouldn't have been able to identify with them. And so I need to hear, you know, different parts of, of, everyone's stories, you know, when they share so that I can identify. Um, because if I can't identify with them, then, you know, why am I there? <laughs> you know, uh, I need to find a different program or a different, uh, different ways to, to access help. Um, so, you know, um, I that's never been helpful to me. Um, but I have heard it a lot as well. Um, that uh, yeah, or talking outside. Uh, one thing with my home group is that you know, I've only been attending Thursdays mostly, um, but uh, I've, you know, heard about other uh, the Tuesday meeting. And uh, and I know for the Thursday one, at least for the last three weeks, I believe, um, we've been talking about uh, what would be considered by, uh, more traditional groups as outside issues, you know, so, uh, mental health or depression or, you know, um, how some of our, our difficulties have, um, have actually, um, made us better people, you know, uh, contributed to our lives in a, in a positive way, you know, ultimately. And yeah, so it, it's something that we kind of, um, We ignore, I guess, (laughs) or, or it's just, you know, the people that attend seem to, to have a larger view of recovery and, um, and are able to handle that without, you know, going into the, we can only talk in this way. Right.
0: Yeah. Tracy and Anchor and Joe Bob were having an interesting discussion about smart facilitators and whether or not they're peers. And Joe Bob initially initially said that they aren't peers, um, I think is what he said. And forgive me if I if I misread um, there. And then Tracy said, yeah, but the smart facilitators, we go to, we go to our peers. It's really interesting because the smart facilitator, I think they are a peer in the sense that they are also a person in recovery. Okay, so they're a person who's also using those tools that they're bringing to the meeting. So in that sense, they are a peer, but they also have a, a different role than the other people in the meeting because they have to facilitate that meeting. And if they recognize that there's someone like when they go do their check in, if they recognize that there's someone who's having a problem, they will and not just the facilitator. But the entire group will will kind of help that person through it, you know, but the facilitator being the guide. So it's like the facilitator is a peer, but at, but does have a different role. And that role is kind of one to lead and guide that meeting. You know, it's a different it's really different. It's really different in AA in that way one thing that I really want to do and I'm going to try to make time to do is attend more smart meetings. Cause I do want to learn about it. I mean, I went through the training and everything and I, but I've been to very few um, smart meetings, but I do find it very interesting. I like the tools and I want to know more about it. I want to, I want to actually have the experience of attending those meetings and so forth. And I just have not made time to do that. But um, there's a guy that I interviewed who's a smart facilitator who, and we'll be posting his episode in a couple of weeks But he is from St. Louis, and he does a meeting in Kansas City, and so um, I'm going to try to have him on the podcast more often. Learn more about SMART. So it's kind—I find it really interesting that whole dynamic of the facilitator and and how they do things. Because man, totally, totally different than than what we do in AA. So anyway, that was really interesting. Interesting conversation you guys had there, and I hope I didn't. um, completely ruin it with my with my pontificating. but um, yeah, that was really interesting. Um, then a Bobbert points out that there's usually somebody that will shout outside issues because they don't really understand tradition 10 and we will be getting in traditions here pretty soon. Bonda Jones, shared energy for growth. You have mentioned previously of being kind of kind to my future self, which I loved hearing and have adapted into my life. And my future self keeps thinking my past self, that is the power of sharing the group, hearing what you need to hear, sharing what might help someone else. Yeah. yeah. And Anchor says, um, that's a little messed up, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's something else they talked to that's something else is messed up. Anyway. Yeah. Oh yeah, the messed up what's messed up is the outside issues thing. and and Joe Bob says "Uh, good point Bobber. in my experience nearly no one knows what the 10th tradition says they confuse and conflate traditions 10 and 5 Five confines AA's primary purpose. Okay. Right.
1: Well, that's a good segue good, into this next segue part. Into, into Ray, my favorite to- topic,
0: <laughs> the traditions. <laughs> yeah. And again, you know, I do like the traditions. I'm not opposed to the traditions. You know, I, I I I do them. You know, I think they're okay. I think they're great for AA. Super for AA. AA should definitely do the traditions. It's a great way for AA to operate. But um, I don't want to operate uh, myself that way all the time. Anyway, here we go um groups are guided by the 12 traditions the 12 traditions are to the health of the group what the 12 steps are to an individual's recovery they were adapted by aa's first international convention in 1950 following our shortened and paraphrased versions of the 12 traditions now i will say this this will make it this is this is kind of good to read these because i thought these were actually pretty well written um i haven't seen too many um interpretations of the tradition secular interpretations i've seen a few out there but this one i thought was really actually pretty good so um i'll go ahead and read them so the first tradition is common welfare comes first personal recovery depends on group unity stay together guys otherwise if we all we do is fight and argue we're not going to stay sober group conscience is the group's authority decisions are arrived at by group conscience minority ideas get thoughtful attention Leaders themselves are no authority. They are trusted servants. I like that. It doesn't say, doesn't doesn't the um, the actual tradition say something about um, our only leader is God or something like that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or God as he expresses himself in our group. Right. Conscience. Yeah. 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 Um, and I've had people say, you can't be in an a group if you don't have God expressing himself. <laughs> but then other people point out, but it says God may. He may, may yep. not. Okay. Anyway. May,
1: may not. Yep. <laughs>
0: The only requirement for membership is to show up at a meeting. Now that is interesting. Just show up yeah. at a meeting. It doesn't say you have to have. You have uh, to just
1: honestly a, show up. You to, yeah.
0: <laughs> you have to honestly show up. There are no membership requirements, no rules and no dues. I do like that though. Just show up at the damn meeting. That's yeah. all you need to do. Okay. Yeah,
1: because, I mean, how do you determine if someone's honest, has an honest desire to stop drinking? I think most of us, you know, if we were fully honest, we didn't have a desire to stop drinking. We had a desire to, you know consequences yeah. you
0: know so i think i told you once that i i really regret the time when i asked somebody a newcomer do you have a desire to stop drinking <laughs> jesus <laughs> <Yeah. my Christ. laughs> right. for sure, i did not drive that guy away from meetings he kept coming nice. back and he became it yeah. became a you know, happy member of our group so yeah. yeah
1: no i had that funny incident i think i've shared before where i had a sponsee who was celebrating a an anniversary, and uh, they attend different meetings. Um, it was one of the ones that is a God person, and she shared something along the lines like that of that you know. And then I I uh, met my sponsor, and she all she asked was if I had an honest desire to stop drinking. And I'm like, <laughs> I have never asked anybody that in my life, you know. Yeah. So I have no idea where that came from. I think it was just you know the the parroting that sometimes happens, um, you know, and that I. I, I did, too. I didn't, you know, use that. But I, I did uh, parrot uh, early on when I think about it, you know, about, you know, you have to uh, do the steps or, you know, mm-hmm. you need to go to meetings, you know, mm-hmm. just I, I was much more uh, towing the line of, you know, um, what other people were saying as far as the process right. of uh, AA the steps in recovery um and now I'm, I'm you know reasonably laxed about yes, that as too. well yeah I've changed so. a lot with
0: that way with myself too so yeah it's 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 funny to look at your old self and say oh my god that was really embarrassing <laughs> but but that's what that's what we are and they even like, talk about that here how you go through different phases of development right which is really yeah. Nice. yeah
1: yeah and I think if somebody like even listened to um the steps that you and I did together, um, those podcast episodes, I think we're, you know, in a different place now on on some of those. You know, we we if we did it again, it would be different, you know, than you know, what we did even and that was what, just two years ago, three years ago now, or something like that. Yep. So
0: Yeah, constantly so, yeah. evolving. And that's what keeps them that's what keeps it fresh. And that's what keeps it interesting. Each Number four, each group is autonomous. Its only responsibility is to work with the steps and to follow the 12 traditions. Um, Each group has one purpose, to be a support for recovering people. Uh, groups never endorse finance or associate with outside related enterprises. There must be a clear boundary between 12-step groups and programs such as treatment facilities, counseling services, workshops, support groups, and so on. It's not affiliated with the jail. It's not affiliated with the courts. Yeah. All of that kind well, of stuff. Well,
1: technically, it, it technically still not, is in yeah, many <laughs> places. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's not supposed to. Not supposed yeah. to be. No. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And Paula says, is the group actually responsible? No, it isn't, Paula. It's just that this book it's about working the steps and i think that's why they talk about it um it's not the group's purpose isn't really about working the steps um not aa groups anyway um anyway um seven each every group is fully self-supporting declining outside contributions this keeps groups independent non-members may not donate money goods or meeting space A collection taken at meetings pay for rent and supplies, which I think is smart. Uh, Groups are non-professional. Service to the group is voluntary or is is volunteer and done without pay. Um, Organization within a group and among groups is kept to a minimum. That's interesting the way to put that. Organization within a group and among groups is kept to a minimum. Um, Yeah, that's probably true with most groups. And it probably is smart too. I think
1: maybe they... uh standardization may have been a better term for what they're talking about on nine, I think. But anyway, yeah.
0: Groups have no opinion on outside issues. This neutrality on all issues keeps groups from being drawn into public controversy. And another thing I'm just thinking about to myself, just thinking to myself, it does say groups have no opinion on outside issues. It doesn't say I don't have an opinion on outside issues, <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, but it is a kind of a good principle. Hey, don't, don't bring um. other crap into the meeting, you know, don't, you know, That's not what we're about. Public relations policy is based on attracting members to the program rather than on promoting it. Members' anonymity is always maintained in the public eye and in the media uh, for public relations purposes. Anonymity is the foundation of all the traditions. Groups are guided by the principles of the steps, not by personalities. I do like the way that's worded, too. Um, that you're just, you're guided by the principles that, that we're trying to practice and not personalities of the people. Oh boy. Comments, anybody, anyone, anybody want to call in about that? And Joe Bob did answer Paula's question. No, Paula, the, the author's personal interpretations are not opinions. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It's a book about the steps. That's why they're always mentioned there. And it's there. And you're right. It's the author's opinion. Yeah.
1: And it, part of the title is a secular guide to recovery. So again, it's a, it's a guide. It's, you know, nothing in here is, is uh, scripture. <laughs> so, all right, well, we can move on then. Um, a simple meeting format and guidelines for talking and listening. And so this is, you know, their interpretation or their experience of what, what that would be. The format is the basic structure of a meeting. It lets us know what to expect and when to expect it. Once a simple structure is established, anyone can step into the role of temporary leader. The leader keeps the meeting within the format, but has no other role. The treasurer pays the rent and buys supplies for the group. Everyone shares responsibility. Members gladly take turns at service positions and other group duties. That's a bit of a stretch, but yeah, (laughs) that's the idea. (laughs) The real business of the meeting is the mutual identification and support among members. Following is a commonly used meeting format that makes good use of limited time. The guidelines for small group sharing ensure equality, respect, and safety for all. Uh, One, the leader opens the meeting on time and uh, the affirmation of serenity is recited in some cases. (laughs) So um, to five to 10 minutes are taken for self introductions, to greet newcomers, to read the 12 steps, to take care of group business and for announcements. A donation is passed or posted in the comment section on Zoom. Um, A sign up sheet for speaking at meetings may also be passed. And so, yeah, at larger meetings, I guess that's how how they do it. I've never attended a meeting where you had to uh, do a sign-up sheet. You know, back Um, in the
0: old days, uh, when I first started out, our group used to do that. Um, The P3, the group I went to, um, they used to pass around a pad of paper. And I don't know why we did this, but we all signed in. (laughs) And they saved these things going back to years. So it was like, you know, you could go back to 1968 and find out who was at a particular meeting. Weird. Yeah, weird. (laughs) Okay.
1: (laughs) Uh, Number three, the person who has previously signed up for the meeting gives a short informal talk. Uh, the focus is usually one of the steps we talk about the realities of our actions, thoughts and emotions and about how we are using the particular step in our lives and how our own 12 step program is helping us speaking at a meeting is an opportunity for growth. The only feedback the speaker gets is a hearty thank you by the leader. And number four, before the meeting breaks into smaller groups, the leader may read the statement. Um And, you know, this isn't uh, something that um, that's been read in any of the ones that I but I do recall, I think, um, hearing something similar to that in Alatine when I was younger. And so it might be more um, on the the family side. Uh, But the views heard in this meeting are those of the speaker. We each interpret and work the 12 steps in our own way. In your small group, everyone will have a chance to speak without interruption. When people speak, we do not give feedback unless requested. We do not give advice. We take what we want from the meetings and leave the rest. So that might be helpful to add <laughs> these days because sometimes uh, sometimes that uh, that isn't how things go and and sometimes uh, advice giving is uh, is. Uh, yeah, presented. So, okay. And uh, number five, the remainder of the time is spent in small groups where all members have the opportunity to talk and to hear what others have to say. And so, I, you know, I I didn't experience that. Uh, you know, most of the meetings that I've attended in this area um, don't break out into smaller sessions. Um, I do recall in the 80s, though, like I said, in Alateen, I think that some of the Al-Anon groups did that. Um, you know, my mom was a part of, of that stuff. And so I recall, you know, some of her meetings being a little bit more in that process and in Fight Club, which is a very accurate representation of life, I think. Um, but, yeah, it, it appeared that a lot of their group sessions were, were held like that. Um, the meeting format that we use is, is somewhat, you know, uh, we at least how it's changed to Zoom in, in some of it was, you know, very similar before, um, but we do um, have somebody, and we've played with this over the years, um, but uh, the. The chairperson, um, you know, reads the uh, format or broiler plate or whatever, you know, you want to call it. And they're the one that kind of guides, you know, the meeting and uh, oftentimes either calls on people to share if nobody is sharing or picks some sort of a uh, format for sharing. So uh, popcorn has been uh, popular as of late where, you know, someone shares and then they pick somebody else to share and such. And so it kind of bounces around like that. Um, but, you know, we've tried all, all different types of formats as far as sharing. And, uh, and it's sometimes fun to... Um, to change that up a little bit. Uh, sometimes, you know, when we were in person, we just kind of like go around uh, the room. It just depended on how many people we had at, at the meeting um, on how we would do that. But like I said, there is no sign-up sheet <laughs> for, for doing that. Um, I suppose in some of the larger meetings now on Zoom, you know, when you raise your hand, that's kind of like a, you know, a similar idea. Um, you know, you need to raise your hand in order to be called on to, to speak. Um, And, uh, Oh My God does that. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, the main ones I attend, um, are smaller. And so, um, we haven't had to do that too much. How about you?
0: Um, well, I was, Anchor has an interesting comment and I never thought about this, that they do have people sign up at his group because they're going to use it for contract contact tracing if it's necessary isn't that interesting so if you're meeting in person hey everybody we want to know who's here because if if there's a COVID outbreak we'd like to start tracing very interesting Uh,
1: yeah no i know that uh that um at least one group a women's group in boise had um started to implement that before before the meeting locations went into lockdown and everything um and that uh and that at one of the meetings I attended uh, for that group, when they started doing that, um, there were a couple of people who refused uh, to sign that, and uh, and so you know that was interesting as well. It was like, well, if you don't have compliance, then you know how how are you going to be able to do that? And and uh, fortunately, I guess uh, for them, lockdown did happen, and so they didn't have to address that. But I'm glad that Inka brought it up because you know that's something that people need to consider that if they're planning to do that and somebody doesn't, you know, sign in, then uh yeah. Are they going to, how are they going to handle that? So Same.
0: yeah. Well, I know our group is going to have a lot to talk about when we, now that we're getting back together again, it's, it's, it's so weird to have this thing of getting back together. And then this pandemic is not over by a long shot. But so many of us are immunized now, which gives us a little bit of freedom, you know, or so
1: in the US, because I know that in in Canada, it's not quite, um, quite the same either. And that, you know, there are restrictions on I think they call it uh, moving from either health districts or uh, something like that, and uh, and that you know um, John and I well not you John but <laughs> my John have a, a kiddo in the Portland Oregon area and that they're um, having uh, by county now um, either tougher restrictions or they're dividing them into critical and um, and. Uh, stuff on uh, the number of cases because they're they're going up again and um, and having problems. So I think that, yeah, many of our our areas will start to experience that again, too.
0: So Yeah. Yeah. Um, p- about the groups breaking up in smaller and smaller groups. That was pretty common. Now, when I when I like my first three, five years, I guess, in the program, I did go to a lot of different groups and at that time there were some large groups the south kansas city group was large um the unity group was large and uh, a group you guys you don't know these names mean nothing to you but there were a few larger groups and they would break up in in maybe two meetings uh, usually and um but that i haven't seen that um lately i mean i haven't seen that um prior to COVID, you know, over the last few years. But I haven't been attending those meetings as regularly as I used to. So I don't know. So it used to be fairly common. Um, but anyway, back to this thing. This is just a general I, I think that this is like, like a good way that that a meeting could operate. It's just baby basically a suggestion or something like that. But I think the bottom line is that the that, that it's just a very simple format. I mean you but you can do whatever you want to, you know, that's the that's that's the beauty about AA is like like they like we always joke a resentment a coffee pot is all you need right but it's basically just two people that want to get together and help each other you can do whatever the hell you want to and call yourself an AA group and and run your meeting however you want to yeah
1: and like the one you you said you attended was it last night that that uh, I I think I saw that one in our uh, Facebook group is it the that they use different podcasts and things as as a way for a group topic yeah and so yeah uh, i mean can you imagine you know even prior to this I, that would have been kind of an odd group out yeah,
0: <laughs> the usual group, usual and been. now it's
1: like oh yeah that seems like a good idea why not um so yeah uh, we have a lot of uh comments going on here so yeah paula um, says
0: her group uh, a large group um had to had the mask going on a few folks wouldn't wear them for. Mm-hmm. Oh, mask war! Mask yeah, war—that's not good. Yeah,
1: and Joe says uh, Toronto's having their asses kicked in wave three. I'm sorry, yeah. Joe. That's dumber. I tell you, this thing yeah. is
0: rough. And and God, what's happening in India is just unbelievably um, yeah horrifying. Sad. Yeah, super sad. Yeah.
1: So, and Jackie's asking, did you contact Fred? I didn't we're not so to... sorry. <laughs> so sorry. Oh okay, God. we're all holding you accountable. I, I, you I'll, know, I'll I'm like, I'm, like, like this I'm, week. I'm,
0: I'm a guy who never does what he says he's going to do anymore. I'm just so oh It's Okay,
1: it's okay. <laughs> I okay. Be kind to yourself. Do, con- do contact tracing on for
0: Fred. Okay. And Robert says in the '80s, breaking up to smaller groups was popular. I had a conversation with our central office years ago. The director of the office, and she'd been around for a long time, and we were talking about changes that we've seen in AA over the time. And she says the one thing that she noticed is that. There are more groups, but smaller groups. And I think that's true because when I was first starting, there weren't as many groups, but there were a lot more larger groups and some really big groups. And um, I think that, that, that has changed a little bit. And maybe, maybe that's what you're noticing, Bobbert is, you know, that you're seeing less of that maybe, Um, or maybe you're just seeing big groups that just hanging out together. So I don't know.
1: I think it took me a while to figure out that there is a difference between a group and a meeting and that, yeah, you know, some groups can have multiple meetings and, and stuff. Um, so, yeah. So I think, and I, I still probably refer to them almost in the same way, you know, just without thinking about it sometimes. So. Yeah.
0: You know, um, a group, this is how I, and this is, and it's different from different places. Like I know in California, they have, they don't necessarily, okay, maybe in, in different places in California, but I've talked to people like in Los Angeles and they always call their meetings they call it meetings i have a meeting and the meeting might even have a gsr whereas around here the the group has a gsr and it's the group that participates in the service structure but like in, in this los angeles this person i'm talking in los angeles they said that over there they, they have meetings and they don't yeah. really have that group i don't know what you're talking about so right. it, it is kind of it is kind of different right all right here's the yeah. i like this section here we'll move on sure we move on
1: yeah we can okay
0: so group process is how we talk and listen. I really like this section, and we actually did a, we did a, we did a live stream on this once. Um, 12-step groups must model health for the members. It is important that we don't engage in the same behavior we are trying to recover from. Without the use of clear guidelines, we are apt to lapse into old, familiar patterns, and the group may collapse under the weight of our combined confusion, anger, and hurt. Groups function well or poorly because of something called group process. Group process is simply how we talk and how we listen. When we take our turn to talk, we remember that our responsibility is to ourselves, not to other group members. Using the 12 steps as a guide, we talk about what we need to talk about. We talk about how we understand the particular step being discussed and how we are using it in our current lives. We talk about a problem, our feelings, our actions, and reactions. We talk about the new life options created by working the steps and the additional problems our new options are creating. We don't, <laughs> that's I love that. Yeah, I,
1: I don't know that I've ever heard that in a meeting before, but it's true, right? You know, yeah, people don't talk about how, you know, recovering causes, you know, yeah, more yeah,
0: problems. Actually, yeah. <laughs> new problems, new kinds of problems. We don't need to have others agree with us or understand us. I like that. Um, and it's very true. In fact, we don't even need to completely understand what we're saying ourselves. Confusion and strong feelings are always at home in meetings. They are a good sign that changes are happening. The understanding comes later as we continue to make progress in our program. When others talk, we support, accept, and love them by practicing large spiritual listening. We put our own opinions, ideas, and judgments aside. We listen with an open and relaxed acceptance of the person speaking and of what is being said. We don't evaluate or judge. Non-acceptance and judgment are the results of narrow, shallow listening. We know that any opinion we form is likely to apply only to ourselves. Large listening is called detached listening because it is detached from the personal limitations of our emotions, judgments, and evaluations. Detached listening is an expression of spirituality and trust. When we listen with an open acceptance and non-evaluation, the speaker feels heard because the speaker is heard. Being heard and accepted without correction is something most of us have never experienced. The circle of safety created by respectful, emotionally neutral listeners enables us to say whatever we need or want to say without fear of being put on the spot or fear of censure. Having others listen with an open, relaxed, and neutral acceptance is a vote of confidence in our ability to work things out. Smiles and a few kind words provide human connection, warmth, and caring. I really like that.
1: Yeah, that's so good, isn't it?
0: It really is good. Yeah,
1: I just, I, I, you know wrote down again (laughs) that uh, non-acceptance and judgment are results of narrow shallow listening and that large listening is detached because it is detached from personal limitations of our emotions judgments and uh, evaluations you know i think that's such a good way to to think about it and to phrase it Um, and you know when the I wouldn't have really thought of because usually detached listening sounds you know negative um you know like uh like you don't care or something you know when somebody is detached uh that's generally you know what comes to mind for me at least um but i love the idea that the the um, detached listening is um, detaching from, you know, the personal limitations of our emotions, judgments, and evaluations. And, and it's a great way to, to think of it. You know, I think uh, some people might say, you know, it, it's the ego or letting go of the ego. And I think this is a, a kinder <laughs> way to say it, even though it's applying to basically the same thing that, you know, we try to get, uh, you know, outside of our own judgments and um, and personality and just, you know, be open. So I think it's it's an excellent uh piece of writing um and in way to think about you know what our role is at meetings and um, you know sometimes you'll hear that uh that you know we're just there for the newcomer and and uh, you know i think to myself that well yes you know that's an important reason why we're there but i'm not just there for that um because you know uh my recovery isn't just about helping other people you know it's a big part of it but uh it's uh it's that's one area of it. And, uh, and I think that when I've, you know, felt the most balanced in my recovery is when I've been able to stay within the space they're talking about here of, of being detached, um, from, you know, what my judgments and ideas and um, emotions are about what other people are either saying or doing or not doing or, you know, all of that stuff when I'm able to just be present and and uh, and listen and stuff that, yeah, that those are some of the the times in my life where, I, you know, I felt what some people would say, you know, spiritually well, but I generally say I feel balanced and uh
0: and yeah. And I like I like this the idea, and it's and it's true, that when I'm listening to somebody, I'm taking what they're saying and I'm applying it to myself. And I'm I'm doing that, I'm not I'm not doing it consciously. It's just what I'm doing. And I learned that in AA. You know, I'm not looking at the person and judging them by what they're saying, but I'm thinking about how it applies to me. And sometimes it might not apply. Now do I judge people when they're talking? Sure I do. You know, but, but, and, and, but that's just human, that's human nature, you know, uh, that, that, that does happen, but hopefully they're not seeing that expression on my face when they're talking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's but,
1: part of the problem with Zoom is that you know, know. somebody is always seeing your face usually. Um, but yeah, yeah, it, it's true. Yeah. Um, it is uh, we do. Well, I think part of that is, one of the sayings that gets passed around a lot is to listen for the similarities. And and I think that's really what, you know, we're, we're probably doing. And so, you know, not, not just if it, it pertains to me or not, but just what is a, a, the similarity in, you know, what they're sharing, you know, do I have experience um, in some way with that in my recovery or not? Um, and, and that is really, really helpful, particularly if you're, um you're a secular person and you can't get to, you know, secular meetings, you know, now it's not as much of a problem. (laughs) But, you know, prior to the pandemic, it really was. And so I, you know, had people that um, couldn't make it to our meeting. So I would attend other meetings with them. So they'd feel like they had, um, you know, a secular buddy, uh, at least at that meeting. And I would, you know, usually uh, suggest meetings where I knew the people there that, you know, may have been more traditional um, in their AA program, but that I knew were really open-minded and uh, and oftentimes you know I'd leave the meeting feeling like yeah that was a that was a good meeting and and you know one of these people would leave going oh they got it all over the place and and I you know and the difference was that you know when I hear people talking, um, usually in, in a meeting, um, I listen for, you know, what they're, they're actually doing. And so what I would hear is, or what someone might say is that, you know, I, um, I was struggling. And so I, I got down on my knees and prayed and I, uh, you know, and then I went for a walk and then, you know, I did yoga. And what I'd hear is that, you know, I went for a walk and I did yoga and those types of things, you know, um, and the other person just heard that you know that they uh turned it over to god and so yeah so listening to similarities and um and being able to um really it's empathy i would i would guess you know that um, uh, going into the meeting and trying to you know be empathetic um is helpful um because I think sometimes we do get a little bit jaded or we can, if you've attended, you know, meetings for 25 years, you know, and heard it all, you know, it, it might be a little bit difficult to continue to, to be, you know, like, where's the similarities. But, you know, if you're at least trying to be empathetic and, you know, and remember, you know, when you've felt the way the person is feeling, regardless of what the circumstances, then uh, then I think it's, you know, it's helpful. Uh, what does Anchor say? Uh, do you think it's acceptable to walk out of a meeting if you don't like or agree with what you are hearing? Because I'm guilty of that. Yeah, I, I think sometimes, uh, you know, um, it, it really depends on the meeting and um, what's going on. I'm trying to think of, uh, when I've walked out of meetings. Um, um, I've been walked out
0: on before <laughs> a couple of times. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And I tell you, the one time it happened. I deserved it. Mm-hmm. I deserved it. It, was, <laughs> it. it was at it was at the Live and Let Live group, and I was I was a new I was a newly living and let
1: living? <laughs>
0: I, know, I was a newly minted atheist in AA, and oh. I I had written I swear to freaking God like a four or five page manifesto. <laughs> oh wow, yes, it was awful, and I and I read that at the speaker meeting, and it was all it was more like a revolutionary um <laughs> idea for AA or something and oh, it was awful anyway one guy walked out on me and at the time i was like really upset that he walked out on me but now like i i i realize and I, it's like you know what i he i don't blame the guy for walking out on me but then another time i was at a group and there were like uh, it was like three o'clock in the morning or something like that i was doing an Alcathon and there were only two people in the room and one of them walked out <laughs> it's like, kind of weird but anyway but um have i think i've probably walked out on meetings um i don't know if i've done a speaker meeting where it was like really obvious where you know when i walk out wh- where it's going to be noticed or anything but i've left meetings that um i just didn't feel comfortable at or that were good for me or whatever so i think i think it's okay you you need to do what you need to do joe says he goes sits in a different room
1: yeah i don't think that I'm trying to think of, I mean, there's been many a meeting that I felt like I needed a meeting, um, you know, needed to go to another meeting because of that meeting was so um, (laughs) difficult or (laughs) dysfunctional or whatever else, you know. Um, But I I don't know that I've actually, you know, walked out on any because of the discussion or something. And, uh, you know, I don't know that anybody's walked out on me speaking. I think most people who probably would um generally stick around so that they can you know try to figure out a way to argue with me afterwards but uh but in general you know now I don't think that anyone's anyone's walked out that that I'm aware of so yeah.
0: um and so, you yeah. never know too when someone walks out Maybe they just need to go to the bathroom. Maybe maybe they have.
1: It's true. Maybe they just yeah. have an
0: appointment. Or they get something else they got to do. You know. Yeah.
1: So, who who knows? who knows? Could be performing brain surgery. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Please do, bomb squad. You know, expert. Yeah. Yeah. Go do your job. So.
0: Yeah. Um. <laughs> so I think the consensus is yes, it's okay if you need to go, you need to go. You know. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, look, it's it's seven o'clock.
0: I know. Do you think it's okay if yeah. we go over a little bit? Because we don't uh, have that do much. What do people say? I think, yeah,
1: I think it's good.
0: All right, we'll do it. Cause I don't, we don't have that much further to go. And the the rest of it, like, I like the, I like the way it, it finishes up where it talks about how to, how to know what a good, healthy group is. Yeah.
1: So. Sounds good.
0: Angela, I'll let you take it from here.
1: Okay. The look and the feel of a supportive group. We want our groups to support our growth and self-acceptance, personal change and happiness. Some groups do better at this than others. They are made up of people and people are anything but perfect. So most groups are a mixed bag of dependable support and little irritations. Sometimes big irritations, but irritations. Uh, The following are some positive things to look for. One, the group is open. Newcomers are immediately welcomed and included. This is one of the best indicators of a supportive group. Two, the group feels like a safe place. We feel an emotional comfort within the group. Three, group members share laughter, many smiles, and sometimes tears. The emotions expressed are genuine and natural. Four, people are free to be as open or as private as they choose. Respect for privacy is crucial. There is no uh, probing. Five, the group makes good use of time.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's where we were talking about earlier about the, the chair of the meeting has that responsibility to make sure things move. And that is not always easy to do.
1: No, it's not. Yeah. And sometimes the, the additional group members, um, need to help with that as well. There have been times where somebody is either, you know, going off for an extra long time, or they are getting off topic in a, um, or in a a difficult space. And so, um, so sometimes our group members at least would, uh, redirect the conversation or interrupt and say, you know, this is actually the topic and it's time for someone, you know, another person to share or something like that. So anyway. Um, everyone has equal status length of time in the group or 12-step program doesn't confer special status or privilege dang it uh, so there's a feeling of mutual respect there is no competition among members eight it's not apparent which members have social or other connections yeah, outside that's of the group
0: of interesting, isn't it
1: yeah I, I like the idea and and depending you know um you know, in some places, uh, that's definitely true. I think there's still, you know, we're such, uh, Judging creatures, I mean, it's part of our survival mechanism that we can tell by how someone's dressed and their demeanor and language, and you know, if if most of their problems are difficulties with you know their grad school <laughs> right. or you know that that extra you know the additional property and you know yeah. Cancun, then yeah, yeah, it's a you, you kind of get, but I I like the idea <laughs> because I do think that's true, um, so um, it it's uh, oh. 9 when members are having a hard time or making decisions that may sabotage their recovery the group doesn't interfere instead other members smile and say keep coming back <laughs> yeah they they uh, greet returning members warmly uh, 10 members work on active program work an active program in the group uh, sometimes this looks like backsliding and confusing confusion there are no presentations of a polished program Eleven, no feedback is given unless it's asked for, and twelve, the twelve traditions are honored.
0: Yeah, um, it, it were the twelve those traditions so important um, for an AA group? Um, yeah, I th- I thought that was great stuff, and it's kind of it's kind of good to know, you know, um, especially if you're new, you know, because you you go to a lot of different groups, and some groups might not be so so healthy, you know, it's possible. Um, but I think, I think most groups probably are, um, and most of the meetings that you go, you go to are, they, they, most of them have these qualities that I've experienced. Um, there's only been a very few that I've been to that seem to stray from this ideal. Um, but for the most part, um, I do feel that, you know, the, the one, the one thing about an AA meeting or, pro- and I, I'd say this is true for any 12 step meeting that is really interesting is that. All sorts of people, and we were talking about the social status and everything. Sure, you might know that this guy here is the president of some company, right? But he's sitting right next to some 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 uh, someone who might be homeless, you know, and and they and they um, they have a common bond, and it's just really interesting to see the different are different people in the meeting that you normally wouldn't mix with, probably, you know, and but you talk to comfortably at, at a meeting. It's just, that is really interesting. I like that about AA, that that because it's free, you know, um, there's no, the only price we have to pay is from our drinking and drugging and so forth before we got there. That's the price we pay, you know, other than that, once we're there, throw in a buck or two, whatever you can, you know, so, and that does equalize things quite a bit.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well, and I think of what they talk about with the the detached listening um, and being conscious of that is important too. Because, like I said, with the we actually did <laughs> have one meeting where um, like five shares in a row were all about grad school. And, oh, right. <laughs> uh, yeah, and so you know we did need to to talk about that at a well, somebody brought it up at a business meeting on you know how, um, you know the perception and um, whether our meeting needed to you know keep that in awareness. Of how we talk about things, because you know, not everybody is, uh, you know, in a spot where they're dealing with grad school, and uh, so how can we share our experience in a way that is more accessible to people of all socioeconomic and educational experiences? Yep. <laughs> so,
0: and something unique about twelve-step groups and twelve-step meetings: no feedback is given unless asked for. Now, that's that's the ideal. That's that's you know, there are some groups who who stray from that, and we call it crosstalk, I guess, but. But um, some groups stray from that and they like it that way. That's fine. They have the right to do that. But in most cases, you don't get the, you don't get the, you don't have people giving you feedback, you know? Um, yeah. And, and uh,
1: not directly, at least. I mean, sometimes we we phrase it. Yeah. Sometimes we phrase things that, that it's going that direction. But again, you know, sometimes we're aware of it. Sometimes we're not, but, right. but uh, the, the idea part. is there. Yeah. yeah.
0: So um, um, should we just conclude things now? And um should we finish up with this very last um, section?
1: Yeah, let's do that.
0: Okay. So when we each keep coming back, yeah, this is kind of this is kind of good. I mean, yeah, I'll read that. Okay, our group our group exists to support us in our recovery. Each of us is in charge of our own program, and it's never the job of the group to direct us. We determine our own realities, our own directions, our own needs, and the working of our own solutions. A healthy group will support us no matter what our personal point of view the issues we face, our personalities, who we are, or what we have done. A healthy group simply helps us use the steps, or not. Because of the practice of large, detached listening, we are able to support the recoveries of a wide range of people with differing points of view. Some of us are eccentric. Some of us have painful issues that are difficult to talk about and difficult to hear about. And some of us have checkered histories. I had a checkered history.
1: Mine was more chess, but Yeah.
0: <laughs> detached listening makes it possible for us to support each other. When we are following divergent paths, we believe we are each guided by individual inner strength and wisdom. Another person's inner strength and wisdom may look as if it needs some help, but We keep hands off, and we practice trusting the the spiritual strength of others. As we stay detached, we develop a deep respect and awe for each other's inner spiritual strength and wisdom. We learn to love each other in a large way, a new way that lies beyond personal likes and emotions. Large trust in other people's inner strengths and large listening lead to large love among us. This is the miracle, and it can happen in 12-step group.
1: Huh. yeah the miracle of connection hallelujah the miracle of
0: connection yeah yeah so. and, it, and
1: it's so true you know i've had a rough week and I, i've had several group members that have uh, gone on walks with me now that we can go on walks and uh you know and it's it's great because i can you know tell them all the crazy stuff going on you know and uh and they don't uh you know don't judge me or don't think that I'm, I'm less of a person or less of a, an AA or anything like that. Um, you know, they, they just listen and, uh, and I really appreciate that of my, my home group. It's uh, it's definitely a place where I feel like I can be myself and that that's okay.
0: You know, I'm just still thinking about tomorrow when we <laughs> we're having our new meeting. And it's like, cause I have not been, I've, I've been away from the group pretty much for, since COVID and so it's going to be weird getting back and seeing people and meeting people I haven't met before. Um, but I'm looking forward to it. I definitely, I definitely need the, I, I definitely need it. I definitely need the connection with people. I need the personal, um, uh, connection. You know, it says, you know, we keep coming back when each of us keep coming back. I've been sober for a long time and I don't really feel like I, my, I'm I'm in any danger danger of sleeping. I mean, mean, drinking, (laughs) sleeping. Yeah. I'm not in any danger of sleeping because I've been drinking coffee all damn day. But (laughs) (laughs) but anyway, um, I don't know what I'm trying to say. I just am looking forward to seeing people, but I am a little bit nervous about it too. So I don't know why, but um, you could,
1: you could start a support group for going back to (laughs) to recovery groups. yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, so I hope you guys enjoyed this. Um, I, I sure enjoyed it, and it was really great um, listening to—not listening, but reading what you had to say <laughs> out there. Um, the comments in the chat have, have been really, really good. So it's—it's been—it's been a great uh, meeting. I really enjoyed it, and thank you, Angela. Uh, as always, uh, you did a great job, um, and what a great book this was. I really did yes, like this chapter. This
1: is, this is one of my one of my favorite books. So it was pretty cool. All right. Well, till next week. Take care, everyone. Thank you Take for care, being everybody. Here.
0: Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week for another live stream. We don't know what we're going to be talking about, but we'll figure it out and let you know. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. That's another episode of Beyond Belief Sobriety. Thank you for listening.